Imagine a world where innovation knows no bounds. At BAE Systems Fast Labs, we're pioneering advanced technology and defense research, shaping the future of safety and security. Explore our website to uncover a realm of cutting-edge projects, collaborations, and visionary thinkers. Whether you're a tech enthusiast, a defender of freedom, or just curious, Fast Labs is where groundbreaking solutions are born. Join us and be part of the future today. Visit www.baesystems.com slash fastlabs. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations, or EMSO. I'm your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of Old Crows. Thanks for listening. We are back here at AOC 2021, brought to you by the Association of Old Crows. And I'd like to thank our episode sponsor today, Mercury Systems. Mercury is a leader in making trusted, secure, mission-critical technologies profoundly more accessible to aerospace and defense. You can learn more at mrcy.com. All right, my next guest on From the Crow's Nest here at AOC 2021 is Colonel William Dollar Young. He is the commander of the U.S. Air Force 350th Spectrum Warfare Wing. Dollar, it is great to finally have you on From the Crow's Nest. I've, we've talked a lot over the over the last few years, and but this is the first opportunity we've actually gotten sit, to sit down in this environment. So thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, Ken, thank you uh, for having me. It, it really is an honor uh, to get a chance to uh, to be here. Uh, the Association of, of Old Crows um, is plays such a critical role uh, in promoting uh, the electromagnetic spectrum and uh, the important collaboration that occurs uh, between the military, between industry, between academia. Uh, it really is a whole of nation effort and it takes a whole of nation to be able to actually do what it is we do. Well, thank you. Um, so, so you you uh, you're you're commander of the Spectrum Warfare Wing, and which was activated in June it of this was. year. Uh, and unfortunately, we couldn't attend COVID and everything. But um, you, you said something interesting, and to kind of kick off your discussion about your session, you said, "If we lose the fight in the EMS, we lose the fight in all other domains." Um, and of course, our theme is all domain operations. So, um, I want we'd like you to pull that thread a little bit because it's 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 something that I think it's a message that we need to drive home at every opportunity we get that the EMS is critical to everything we want to do. Um, that is the mission of your spectrum warfare wing. That is kind of the the gist of your session that you just wrapped up. So, could you tell us a little bit about? your session, what was the main message and what were some of the points you wanted to drive home for the audience today? Yeah, the, um, the quote about losing the fight in the spectrum uh, resulting in losing the fight in all domains is really uh, General Mark Kelly, the commander of Air Combat Command, uh, had that quote. Uh, and he even added something onto that. He said, not only do we lose the fight, but we lose it quickly. And so I think that the importance of the electromagnetic spectrum really hinges on the fact that that is the connective tissue that ties everything else together. Uh, so without the ability to have connected forces, uh, you really are at a competitive disadvantage. And so if you look at the difference between an integrated air defense system and just an air defense system, it's that connectivity that makes an IADS so formidable. And so likewise, uh, if we are able to break that 
then we can pick apart those individual forces at the point in time of our choosing or as goes directly to this idea of joint uh, all domain command and control and joint all domain operations we can achieve uh, temporary windows of superiorities in the domains that we need to, to uh, in order to accomplish the uh, the mission you said something temporary windows of superiority and and I think that that's you know when we talk about winning the spectrum it's not total defeat from beginning to end it's winning or dominating or whatever word you want to use at a specific point in time place duration that you choose that can disrupt the enemy or maybe you know destroy his capability or increase his cost or risk to respond can you talk a little bit more about what that means when we talk winning the spectrum it's not this grand unachievable goal it's something that we should be able to do today we need to do a better job at yeah and if you think about it um if we the recent uh, publication of uh, air forces document document one identifies air power as being built on a three-legged stool consisting of uh, the air domain uh, the elect, um, the information environment uh, and the electromagnetic spectrum. And if you look at what our adversaries have done to us, uh, they have gained an overmatch or are trying to gain an overmatch in the electromagnetic spectrum and then parlay that advantage to help them achieve effects in the air domain and the information environment. And so really what they're doing is what they're taking a a page from our playbook when we talk about temporary superiority in one domain and then using it to achieve effects in the others. Uh, You know, you can look at, go all the way back to World War II and look at the role of radar and what radar is able to provide uh, the British. So given the ability to detect incoming bombers, the RAF is able to shepherd their limited numerically uh, inferior force and then able to put it at a point in time of their choosing in order to engage the bombers and inflict the maximum amount of damage. Now, if they had to, without radar, again, energy, uh, if they had to try to run caps constantly over all their airspace, uh, they would have needed a force multiple times as large as what they have. And so what you see there is that ability to gain, you know, a certain frequency. Okay, so now we can get the energy and we translate the energy into information. Where are they coming from? How many of them are there? And then they're able to shepherd their limited force and send only the forces that's required to engage uh, the attacking enemy, but also do so at a time when, well, when does it optimize our ability to get there so that we can still get back and refuel, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So they're trading energy for information for mass and that's that ability to create that temporary superiority but again radar's not in the entire electromagnetic spectrum they just need the ability to gain the energy in order to detect those incoming bombers that's what we mean and and, and being able to understand okay if you have temporary superiority here there's a second and third order effect and be able to have the capability as well as the initiative to be able to follow that along because the enemy is going to continue to adapt and could reachieve some degree of superiority over that based on their response. So you have to be completely agile 
Um, and I'm sure that that's, you know, going into, you know, getting into the, the spectrum warfare wing, you know, that you're, you're, you're taking a look at how does the Air Force become that agile force in the, in the electromagnetic spectrum. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that we talk about is uh, building an organization that really becomes the first digital native operational wing in the Air Force. Uh, and, and I would argue perhaps the, 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 the entire Department of Defense. Uh, and so the accompanying this idea of being digital native, really, what does that really entail? Well, we're talking about an organization that is able to increasingly break down the bureaucratic stovepipes that exist. Uh, we're talking about an organization that's able to take uh, disparate technologies and in a very rapid uh, fashion, uh, couple those into not a finely tuned finished product, but rather this idea of a men viable product. And the purpose of a men viable product really is to learn. And so if we can take all these existing technologies that have been uh, focused on one thing and then based upon our tight partnership with the warfighter, uh, look at it and go, well, you know, we can actually repurpose that for this other thing today. Uh, we just need to cobble it together and deliver it. That's what we're talking about, where now you're able to make very, very rapid moves, uh, put something in the hands of a warfighter, and then sense the deficiencies in terms of what they want, and then build upon that to deliver the next incremental capability. So we're not talking about uh, you know, massive end-to-end uh, -end programs. We're talking about these incremental capabilities, software-based, that give you the, a warfighter the ability to improve upon a problematic situation. You're not going to solve it. Uh, the, the problems that we face are enduring. Uh, and those, it, it, the, I guess the technical term would be a wicked problem. And the definition, by its very definition, a wicked problem cannot be solved. But what can be done to address it is incremental improvements to make the situation better. And, that, and that's completely counter to the way DOD and the services have traditionally thought, where you, they want to take their time to come up with a final solution of, like, here's a, the system that we want that's going to last us 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and you, you go to the minimum viable product as route where you're like, we're going to put a solution out there and grow it and adapt it as the threat changes. Um, that's not an easy task. Um, I, I just uh, spoke with uh, General Wilson on a previous episode, and he mentioned a, a, a great initiative that uh, you know he, he pursues, and that's or he's pursued, and that's embedding the warfighter with uh, technologists and people who are on the technology side figuring out here's what we can do and then having that warfighter there saying if, if I take that and I can apply it op and I can operationalize it it opens up the window to all these other solutions and being able to get that into the field quickly. Yeah, that that is one of the, the ways in which the wing is blessed because we have operators. Uh, we have engineers. In fact, more than uh, the vast preponderance of the electrical engineers in Air Combat Command work for us. Uh, we have maintainers. We have intelligence analysts. We have operational uh, uh, ops analysts. Uh, we have scientists. We have this amazing group of uh, individuals who are phenomenal uh, at what they do individually. But what I think makes us uh, so special is the way they integrate and operate as a team. And so I, I think one of our sustainable competitive advantages uh, in the West, uh, us and our, our allies and partners, uh, is, is this idea of trust. Uh, and so I like to say that we will go no faster than, than the speed of trust. 
And so as we can develop trust, not only internal to the team, uh, the folks within the wing that are able to take these disparate, disparate ideas and turn them into a product and then deliver that product and then support that product, uh, but also this ability to extend that into our partners in the research and development community, our partners in industry, our partners in academia. Uh, this is a whole of nation uh, challenge, and we will only succeed if we do this as a whole of nations. And, and, and the whole nation also includes the commercial side too, Absolutely. because they are moving faster than we can or we do in the in, in the DoD. So. What, how are some of, now that it was just, the wing was just activated in June, so yep. obviously things are still a little bit new and everything, but uh, how it, how is the wing addressing some of these partnerships, particularly with, you know, some of the commercial influences that are out there, partnerships that can be formed? How, how is the wing addressing some of that? Yeah, I, I think that uh, one of the most important things that we're, we're doing is that we've become kind of that belly button. So for all the various folks that have ideas, uh, at least now there's a place. Uh, I said earlier today, yeah, I've got the, uh, the tail pinned on me uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that folks will reach out to me and I will uh, put them in contact. With, with our experts again they're 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 amazing group of folks uh, that that just do incredible things and so again uh, I see my role uh, as uh, two things uh, both uh, the number one and most importantly uh, I am servant in chief and what I mean by that is my number one job is to serve uh, the, the folks uh, that are entrusted uh, to my command. But then the second thing is, and a close second, is this idea of putting together and facilitating these teams to accomplish the mission. And so that's where opening up my Rolodex and being able to pull folks, but then also trust with the relationships, because I'm an old guy mm -hmm. uh, that have been doing this for over 30 years, uh, I'm able to, because I, I know folks and folks know me, know me that they trust me and they'll extend that grace to maybe talk to some, uh, to, hey, if we talk, if we talk to you, we know you're, you're, you're going to work with us. And also you're going to give us the straight scoop that if it's not, if we're not going in the right direction, you'll tell us uh, from our industry partners. I, I can't believe what you, you said that you, you've been doing this for 30 years already. Yes. I, it's, it's, a, it's crazy to think of how quickly time passes on this, but how do you then in your position cultivate the next generation? Because unless you're gonna be in the Air Force for the next 50 years, this is gonna to have to continue beyond you. So what? how do you cultivate the next leadership so that they can pick up what you've started or what you're working on and carry that forward? Yeah, I, I stand on the giants, uh, shoulders of giants that have uh, come before me. Uh, you saw uh, General Wilson, uh, General Holmes, uh, those folks uh, that really set the foundation and they stood on the shoulders of other giants. Uh, what I try to do is uh, take what I've learned and share it with others. Uh, I, I call it te teaching them the game. And uh, a lot of that is not just the, the technical know-how, but it's about the relationships and how things fit together. Yeah. Um, so, so going back to the, to the Spectrum Warfare Wing, again, activated in June, you're about five, six months now yep. into it. Um, could you give us a roadmap of what you see over the next year or two? And, and is it going to, with the Air Force, you know, they recently, they, they established the uh, information uh, establishment of information warfare in the service, is it going to stay where it is or uh, being part of the 16th Air Force moving yeah, forward? That's, that's a, uh, a, a great question. And it's one that, that I'm excited because 
uh, I feel like if we were to try to debate, well, does the currently we exist in the uh, under the Warfare Center, and there's a lot of great reasons for that. Uh, but then there's also uh, great reasons that folks are made where why we should uh, be part of 16th Air Force. And uh, I, I tell folks that's well above my pay grade, but what I do think is critically important, and I, I think it speaks to the advantage of having an organization like this. If we were doing a, uh, we're trying to analyze without having the benefit of the organization being in place, uh, we, we would fight back and forth over PowerPoint. Um, but I, I think that because we already exist, and we're not where we want to be yet, but what we can do is generate data that can then feed that senior leader uh, discussion of, is does it belong here? Does it, there's great, 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 great reasons for either side. Uh, uh, but what I think we can do is feed that, that senior leader discussion, and, and I, I trust our leaders, um, but we need to make sure that we're getting them the right data and so that they can understand, here's the implications if we move it from 16th, uh, Air Warfare Center to 16th Air Force, and then be able to weigh the, the cost benefit for both. Here's the cost and the benefits for keeping the wing under the Warfare Center. Again, here are the costs, here are the benefits. I am totally agnostic. Uh, I, I just want to make sure that we feed that discussion so that we can do everything in our power to, to make sure that the best decision is staying Staying true to the intent of what created the Spectrum Warfare Wing in the first place, those goals, and, and making sure that you stayed true to them moving forward. Um, so so uh, just one last, you know, one last question, you know, uh, this is just day one. Sure. We still have like two more days of this. Sure. Um, and uh, we have some great speakers tomorrow and, and, and Thursday. Uh, what, based on some of the conversations you had today, what are some of the questions or what are some of the, the topics that we really need to tackle over these next two days that you're looking forward to, to uh, taking part in and the conversation you're taking part in over the next couple of days. Yeah, it's it's actually one that you mentioned earlier, and that is the connection between all domain operations and the electromagnetic spectrum. Um, I think having people really come to grips th with what that means, and then once we come to grips with the challenge, then laying out what 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 should we do about it, and that's one of those things that uh, there is no right answer, and be, and it's not an answer that a single entity of the ecosystem can determine and you know everyone does that I, I think rather it, it's it the benefit of things like this especially being in person is the collaboration uh, it's the ability to sit down with folks from industry to sit down from, with folks from different militaries to sit down with folks from our partners and allies and gain their perspective and always having the intellectual humility to go you know there's other ways of looking at this and then how can we not so much analyze to figure out the right answer, but rather how can we take bits and pieces from all the different perspectives and then synthesize that uh, into something that we can go do. And I think it's critically important that we get our concepts righter and as we pursue technology. Uh, one of the last things that, that I said in the uh, earlier session was laying out uh, what I think has been a, a constant uh, challenge in electromagnetic spectrum operations. And that is the technology is so amazing that uh, we tend to let technology outpace our ideas. And so we have an entire amazing uh, technological ecosystem that's producing great capabilities. Uh, but where are the thought leaders 
and the concepts that that technology is chasing. I use the example of strategic bombing and Julio Duhay. So, you know, if you think about it, uh, Duhay lays out strategic bombing, the theory of strategic bombing. And for about 100 plus years, you really have technology chasing after that idea of strategic bombing. So they know they have a North Star, that North Star is a concept and it's a good theory. And so they're just building technology to try to get there. And it's not until you have the first Gulf War in 91 that I think you see the technology catch up with the advent of precision, precision guided munitions with stealth technology. Once you get that, now you can finally deliver on the promise that Duhay's early theory of strategic bombing lays out. And so likewise, I would hope that we can do a similar thing with the electromagnetic spectrum. So generate those ideas. And again, it, it comes all the way back to the AOC. And what I see as a critical role of the AOC is to lay out those concepts, those ideas that now industry and the entire ecosystem can rally around to help us all go forward together. Well, well, thank you, Dollar, for, for spending time with me this afternoon. It's great to, to sit down and talk Likewise. with you. And glad you're, uh, you had a great session. Um, but uh, appreciate your time. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that, this will conclude this episode of From the Crow's Nest. Uh, we have one more episode. I will be sitting down with Dr. Bill Conley for our show daily special here in just a few moments. I want to thank our episode sponsor, Mercury, innovation that matters by and for people who matter. Thank you for listening. FastLabs, powered by BAE Systems, is at the forefront of advanced technology and defense research and development. We're pushing boundaries, breaking barriers, and innovating for a safer world. Check us out at www.baesystems.com/fastlabs.